0: The lifeblood of most companies are their sales departments. When you're selling something other than a commodity, it's typically necessary to carefully groom the onboarding experience for inbound future customers. Historically, companies approached this in a one-size-fits-all manner, giving all customers a common experience. In today's data-driven age, a better experience can be provided that is data-driven, personalized, and automated. In this episode, I interview Joao Batalha, co-founder and CEO of Ample Market. Zuel, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank
1: you for having me, Kyle.
0: Well, to kick things off, can you tell me a little bit about where your journey as an entrepreneur begins?
1: Yes, so my background is in computer science and my two co-founders, their background is in physics. And we've known each other for quite a few years. Actually, one of my co-founders is my brother. And so we've worked on all sorts of projects together and really the way we ended up working on ample market and on the b2b sales stack was really by trying to solve problems that we had faced in the past and so before ample market we had built a SaaS business where we're selling software to online stores specifically online stores on top of shopify this was a few years ago and while we were scaling that business we ran into all sorts of issues with scaling the sales process. And quite a few of those issues had to do with the tooling that was available to us at the time. And so that really got us thinking about it. And we sort of took an engineering mindset to it and ended up taking a fresh look at the space. And that's how we got working on Ample Market.
0: So I know there's some aspiring founders listeners who are getting pretty good at doing software projects and want to start their own company one day. And they're thinking, I just need to launch my site, make it possible to put your credit card in, and that's all there is to it. What do you have to scale about a sales process?
1: Yes, so I think that is a very common way of thinking for a lot of folks, especially if you are coming from an engineering product. I can definitely identify myself with that way of thinking where, you know, as an engineer, you like to build things. And, and so I much rather spend my time coding or working on the product design and improving it rather than being out there and trying to call people and trying to sell the product. That's fine. And I think that's there's nothing wrong with that. But oftentimes that's not enough, right? So for some products, you can actually just build it out publish it the website and wait for people to come and sign up but for some other products that's not quite possible right so if you're I don't know selling something to the HR department at a hospital you can't really expect that they're just going to come to your website sign up and that'll be it right you should expect at some point to have to build a sales process and so that's what we're trying to make a whole lot easier with ample markets, such that this thing that used to be a big bottleneck for a lot of companies, that it was very opaque and hard to implement things, especially for folks coming from an engineering background, we want to make it a whole lot easier, a whole lot more transparent.
0: Well, let's imagine we have one of those entrepreneurs, they've got a great product, or at least they think they do. It's time to open the doors and get people interested and see what kind of market reaction there is do you have any advice for how to do that for an inexperienced engineer or experienced engineer who's inexperienced in sales?
1: Yes. And so I've been, I was in that position myself and definitely at the time sales didn't come naturally to me and there's definitely a learning process. But I think I have a few tips that I can give folks that are maybe struggling with that. I would say first that Don't quit too early on sales. I've seen this happen quite a bit where folks get discouraged because they don't see the results within a few weeks of starting out to reach out and trying to do sales, but don't get discouraged. Like That's completely normal. It can take quite some time until you really figure out the right audience to reach out to, how to reach out to them, the right person within companies to reach out to and what messaging resonates with them. And so before you say, hey, sales doesn't work for us, we're just going to... Just hope that people come to our website and sign up. Before you you make that call, be mindful of that. That it can take a while until you really nail that sales motion and can land your first few customers via a more traditional outbound sales process. So don't quit too early would be my first tip. Second tip would be it's useful to be mindful of what stage you are in as a company. And so... What I mean by it is that sometimes the problem is not so much optimizing the sales process, but it might, it could be that maybe it might be a problem, say, with your product. This is also something that we see where folks just, they start trying to sell and it's not working out. And then they spend a lot of time trying to optimize their sales process and optimizing their messaging and all of that. And I think that a good analogy could be if you're in the business of selling candy bars and things weren't going so great. And all that you did was try to optimize your packaging and maybe your position in the supermarket aisle. right? So sometimes you have to change what's actually in the candy bar, because if you have a crappy candy bar, people won't, won't buy it even if you are in the perfect position in the supermarket aisle. So I think it's helpful to keep that in mind, especially if you're early on, if you're, if you're not quite sure if you're at product market fit your main problem might not be optimizing the sales process. And so don't be discouraged by that. Don't think that sales doesn't work for you guys just because you're not seeing success early on. So that, that would be my second one. The third one would be that it's sales, in the end, it's really about setting up a process. And you're inevitably, as all sales reps know, you're going to inevitably be dealing with a lot of people telling you no. And that's completely fine. That's just the nature of the sales process. But this is something that I don't think humans are super used to dealing with, to having that amount of people telling you no or just dealing with that sort of feeling of rejection. And so I would always keep in mind that you want to trust the process. You want to, above all, understand that you want to follow a certain process that you specified that you thought it was going to be a good approach for an audience and you want to stick to it and trust that the results would come in in the long run right and don't be discouraged just because the oh, this deal that i was working on didn't go through right and there might not be anything wrong with your process from that it might just be didn't happen like there's a lot of things that are out of your control and so there's a thousand different reasons why a certain deal might not happen and so don't start changing things around just because you don't get a deal. I think I've seen folks that are coming from an engineering background make that mistake a lot. So, it's about the process. You got to trust it and you got to expect that you're going to be dealing with a lot of rejection and that's completely normal. So that that would be my third and final tip there for folks getting started with sales.
0: Good advice. Could we elaborate a bit more on sales process? I mean, I've been familiar with cases where I sign up and I get some groomed email campaign where after a few days there's a follow-up and this and that. Is that sales process or is there more to it? The way I would
1: think about a sales process is really the salesperson in the end should be your point of contact with the company, right? They should really be the liaison between whoever is trying to, buy a certain product and whoever is trying to sell it. That's really how I would look at it. And oftentimes that can be quite simple and there's not much to it. And there's just a very standard product that you will purchase and there's little customization. But some other times there can be quite a few things that you need to define before the buyer is comfortable with signing a contract, right? And so the salesperson should really be the person managing that relationship at the early stages. And so that can mean quite a few things, but initially that might be as simple as trying to schedule a call with the right stakeholders. And so that can be the main job of the salesperson at an initial stage. Later on, maybe if you've advanced in those conversations, maybe the salesperson is more in charge of figuring out what are your specs or what you're going to need to the modifications that you're going to need to a specific product in order to make it work for you as a company and so the salesperson will be managing that and so it can span quite a few different areas but in general a salesperson is managing that relationship at the early stage between the buyer and the seller and so you can divide that up into a bunch of steps and we help you out with Especially the stuff that happens before you schedule a demo. That's really where we're focusing. But so there, there's quite a lot to cover there.
0: Yeah. Well, there were people taking on this job long before Ample Market existed. They had available tools like email and to do lists and calendar reminders and CRMs like Salesforce and HubSpot. How does Ample Market fit into that landscape?
1: Yeah. So, Definitely. Folks have been doing sales for quite a long time and all sorts of tools have been developed for it. I think a good analogy for what we are trying to do is we're trying to do what Rippling has done for human resources, but we're trying to do that for B2B sales. And I'm not sure if everybody will be familiar with Rippling, but Rippling is a software company and they've taken what they call a compound approach to HR software right, where they're trying to develop an all-in-one solution such that when somebody joins a company, you just have to go on Rippling, fill out their details, and then Rippling takes care of the rest, of provisioning access to whatever services they need access to, adding them to the benefits plan, all of that. And so they really came in and changed the game, whereas before Rippling, folks were using a collection of point solutions, and say anytime a new employee was onboarded, you had to onboard them on five or six different tools. And so it's, there's something similar going on in the sales space where today in a lot of companies you have on top of whatever CRM they're using their Salesforce or HubSpot they're going to be using five six seven different other point solutions for things like helping them with scheduling meetings email automation their data needs and the problem is that these solutions don't really do a great job at talking to each other so these are point solutions that are just trying to be the best in class and the narrow problem that they solve, but then don't really do a good job at talking to each other. And so you have this incredible fragmentation in the sales stack that is causing all sorts of issues. So what we're trying to do is come in and say, so we're going to develop a compound solution that helps you all the way from the early stages, from maybe say prospecting, until you schedule that first demo and even help you through closing. But so we're taking this compound approach to the B2B sales stack.
0: So what does that look like from the salesperson's experience? Do they have a dashboard or how do they engage with your product?
1: Yes, so we try to be wherever the salesperson is spending most of their day. And so we have a dashboard And if you are a salesperson, the Ample Market dashboard is going to be a dashboard that you're going to be visiting on a daily basis. It's kind of your main system of action. And so you go there to schedule new campaigns to maybe a new audience that you're trying to reach out to, to see what's coming in in your pipeline, to maybe look for the specific data point about an account that you've been working on. And so you're going to be using our dashboard on a daily basis. At the same time, we also have a Chrome extension, a browser extension that adds functionality to your CRM, also on networks like LinkedIn. And so we want to live where the salesperson is spending their time. But we end up being their main system of action.
0: Your website describes the solution as being data native. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Yes, so our concept of being a data native solution is that we never want folks to just be uploading say a list of emails of the people that are trying to reach out to and be dealing with just that because that's really pushes you in sort of a spray and pray type of motion where this is if you're like a person that has an executive title for instance you will be receiving these emails all the time where you're receiving emails let's say if they're not customized at all that are not really personalized and this is just because the data that these reps are dealing with is might just be somebody's email and so there's not much that they know about it and so what we want is we want our platform to really enable reps to personalize their approach and One way to do that is to have data baked in to the platform, such that you're never dealing with just an email, but you always have a bigger context of, let's say, the company where that person is working. And you know, perhaps the stage of that company is at, if they've raised recent rounds of funding, the technologies that they're using, any relevant news. And so that really allows you to personalize your approach and to better decide even if it makes sense to reach out to that person. And so this enables us to improve the experience both on the seller side, which is reaching out to more qualified people that really make sense for them to be reaching out to, and also on the buyer side, because you're getting a messaging that is personalized to your needs and that you actually find relevant when you see that email on your inbox. And so being data native means that you have the data baked into the platform that allows you to do just that instead of having to shuffle around CSVs with very little data or incomplete data.
0: And as a sales rep, maybe I want to be kind of high touch on some of my deals. How does that experience work in my world?
1: So, as I said, we try to live where you're spending your time. And so, for instance, we add a lot of functionality to your inbox. And so you, as a rep... If you're like in your inbox and you're looking at an email thread that you have with a few people within a company for an account that you're particularly interested in, we will have a sidebar on your Gmail or outlook that will give you information about that deal, right? And so you can see relevant data points that might be coming from your CRM or from our own data that will help you better decide what your next step should be. And once you make that call, we also want that action to be performed via Ample Market. So whether you're deciding to call a specific person within that account or if you're deciding to send them some sales cadence that includes a case study or something like that, we want that action to happen via our platform as well. And so you can just also use that same sidebar to click on a button and that action will go off. And so... We really want to help you to get all the information that you need, regardless of, of where you are, Is that be that in, on LinkedIn, on your CRM, or your inbox.
0: Are there any ways you can quantify the effort and the return on investment in going down a path like this? How is my campaign going to improve if I adopt?
1: So we do have those metrics. It can change widely depending on industry, because depending on industry, your bottlenecks can be quite different. So as you can imagine, let's say if you're a company that is selling just to Fortune 500 companies, your bottleneck is completely different than if you're a company that is selling, say, to SMBs, right? And so our metrics vary depending on who our user is, but we have seen that our cadences, when folks start using us, we'll do our best to compare our cadences to whatever they were using before, our sales motions, whatever they were using before. And on average, we see after one month of using us, we see a 50% increase in reply rate to their sales cadences. And so this is on average across our users. And it's a pretty good indication that with ample market, the sales reps are able to put out more relevant messaging that people are actually engaging with and that they find relevant. But this is, of course, just the tip of the iceberg because you don't care just about reply rates. You actually, as a rep, you want What we really care about is closing a contract. And so there's a lot more metrics that we keep track of, but that should give you an idea of the lift that we can provide to a company.
0: In what ways are you able to leverage machine learning and AI technologies in the process?
1: So it's funny because, I mean, it's become such a buzzword these days that a lot of companies will mention AI and machine learning on their website, but then when you dig deep into it, it doesn't really look a lot like AI or machine learning. But in our case, we're actually leveraging it. And it's a core part of our product for a number of the features that we offer to our customers. But to run you through an example, for instance, one of the things that we do is we analyze every single interaction that a sales rep has with a prospect. So you can imagine if you have say, a sales team of 20 sales reps maybe sending dozens of emails per week to new customers and they are getting responses. There's a lot of data that comes out of that activity. Unfortunately today, that data is mostly lost in the inbox of sales reps. What we do is we analyze every single interaction and we apply labels to those interactions and also try to perform feature extraction from the replies that reps are are getting and so this allows us to uncover a number of insights that before were just out of reach right so but as a team, you can see exactly, okay, this is the breakdown of our approaches over the past month. And you not only can see, okay, this is like how many replies we got, but you can see exactly, okay, this is the category of replies. This is how many people told us that they're not the right person for us to be reaching out to, or how many people told us that they're using a competitor of ours, or how many folks told us that our pricing isn't quite right, right? But so we can apply these labels to these interactions and and you can extract insights from that and at the same time from that you can start creating also what we call these smart actions which is these zapier style automations based on those labels but so you can set up these flows where if somebody engages with your sales communication and let's say if somebody tells you that they are not interested maybe you can reply automatically asking them why they're not interested. Or if they tell you that they're not interested, maybe you want to add that person to some sort of exclusion list so that somebody else in your team is not, doesn't contact them in a few weeks. But you can do all of this automatically. And that's only possible because we've developed these natural language processing models that allow us to do this. And so and this is really just the tip of the iceberg here. There's really a wealth of information that today... People are just not leveraging and that by applying these machine learning models, we can bring it to the forefront and actually make it actionable and really change the day-to-day of both managers and sales reps. A sales rep with ample market goes really from arriving at their inbox with say 50 unread emails that are completely unprioritized. Like this is kind of right what sales reps deal with today. And then they just go one by one and figure out and handle and reply to whatever questions they're being asked. But so they go from this to just landing on their inbox an ample market has already sorted all of the messages that they got already handled a bunch of them automatically and then maybe they just have three or four at the top that are high priority that they can focus on. And it really can completely change their day.
0: The auto-replying functionality is something very interesting. You earlier mentioned that, yeah, it's very common to see a lot of companies promising big things with AI and not necessarily delivering, especially historically. Before the time of transformer models and attention and stuff, people did a lot of basic keyword matching, like maybe they would look for the phrase, not interested, mm-hmm. which you know, would sound like someone you'd send that follow-up why not message to, but if it's someone saying, I wouldn't say I'm not interested. I just need my budget. Can you get in touch with me next week? Mm-hmm. False positive if we do some simple stuff. Do your clients want to kick the tires or experiment with that? Are there any concerns about the degree to which you'll match? What's the experience like in general?
1: That's a great question, Kyle. And one of our key insights when we were looking at this problem, was actually that for the initial stages of sales conversations, you can really classify conversations into a finite number of buckets. And this will account for over 90% of initial sales conversations. And so these buckets are like, okay, this person is interested or they're saying that this is not the right time or They are telling you that they're not the right person. But there's a finite set of buckets, around 12, I would say, that really account for over 90% of initial sales communications. And this is actually a pretty key insight because we don't have to develop a different model for each one of our customers in order for them to leverage value from it. We can have one single model that from day one can start providing value. And and this is not the case. If you were to think about maybe an analogous problem, let's say if you were to try to have the same sort of automatic reply, let's say, to support tickets, that could be a much harder problem because the support tickets for Uber might be widely different than a support ticket for Amazon. There's a lot of context there in order for you to be able to answer to one of those automatically. And so you're probably going to need to train a different model for each one of your users. That's not the case for us, right? And so we can provide a model that works out of the box for all of our customers. And so that's unique to this problem. And so once we realized that, and so once we really narrowed down the problem, that actually made it a lot more tractable and, and allowed us to develop these models that could reach the level of accuracy that, would allow our customers to be confident with using them on a day-to-day basis, right? And so the other aspect to it is that this problem is not like, say, self-driving, right? We're self-driving, you really need to be right pretty close to 100% of the time because otherwise you'd run into problem, right? This is, in our case, if there's an email message that we're not sure how to interpret or how to classify, that's fine, we just, don't really apply any labels to it don't trigger any automation and we just leave it unclassified right and and this happens right if somebody and even like for a human some situations might not be quite obvious how you classify them or if they say if they are expressing interest or not and that's fine like we if we don't see a, a certain threshold of confidence our model will just not classify and will not trigger any automation but if we're able to actually classify you know over seventy five or over eighty percent of the conversations that's already most of the value that we can provide, and so it actually turns out to be a great application of of n l p here.
0: What if I have two possible messages coming from my marketing team and I'd like to do some a b testing? Can ample Market be the right tool for that?
1: Yes, yes, that's definitely something that we encourage our customers to always be testing new messaging and changing their approaches and so we've built our tool with that in mind not just testing different types of messaging but even testing different channels and and how you want to approach people and so like maybe for instance we earlier this year we launched our dialer and so for a lot of folks we've been encouraging folks to also leverage phone in the later stages of their sales conversations more. And so we encourage we're encouraging more experimentation there. But so we've really built our tool with that in mind and to encourage A B testing and, and make it as data driven as possible.
0: And I'm curious where you see the company going. You're in kind of maybe a new market in some sense. You're not a CRM. You sit on top of my CRM. Is this a class that you're creating and where is the company headed?
1: So the way we look at it is you can basically break down the problem into two main things, or two main sides, where on one side, we are collecting all of these signals, and these signals might be external to the company. An example of those could be, okay, this company just raised a round of financing, or they just hired a new executive, or doubled their sales team over the last three months. These are some examples of external signals Or some of these signals might be internal to the company. And so those could be things coming from product-led growth, like, okay, these three people signed up for your free trial, or it might be something coming from your marketing efforts. So that's one side of what we do. We're collecting these signals. And then on the other side, we are enabling you to act on those signals and that usually means that an account or a specific prospect is being assigned to a sales rep, and that will usually mean that, okay, that sales rep is going to be trying to reach out to that account or to that specific person, and so we want to make that as easy and allow for as personalized of a messaging as, as possible. Right, So that's really how we break it down is these two main pieces, collecting signals and acting on them. And so today it's really hard to set up a system that does this and it's really hard to configure it all because you're going to have to use, as I said, like five or six different point solutions that don't really do a good job at, at talking to each other. And so in that sense, we're really coming in and proposing a new solution, a compound solution that should be able to become the main system of action for your sales team and which would allow your sales team to scale in a much more predictable, transparent way. And at the same time, also make the experience better for the buyer and such that the messaging that they're getting is more personalized and so that things happen quicker and such that the tasks that shouldn't be performed, that you're better off just having a computer do, those tasks can be done by a computer. And then the the stuff that humans are really good at, we want to enable them to spend more time doing those things. And so that's really our mission. And we really think that, especially with the explosion of SaaS, there's going to be a lot more companies dealing with these types of problems and trying to scale their sales efforts and so we want to help those companies while at the same time as I said improve the experience for both sides both for the sales rep and also for the buyer.
0: If I'm a sales rep you know on a medium or large team is this a solution that my team is going to acquire and I'm going to get installed on or do I pick this up in my toolbox? What's the typical onboarding?
1: So usually we start our conversation with somebody that might be a head of sales or a sales manager or VP of sales, partly because as I said, we tend to be the main system of action for sales teams where sales reps are spending a good chunk of their time. And so this decision, usually you need need to have the buy-in from whoever is managing that team. We started investing more time into also having light versions of some of the features that our product has such that reps can pick up those light versions of our product by themselves and start leveraging those just because we've had a lot of conversations where sometimes a rep really loves our product and maybe was using it at a previous company where they worked and now they go to a new company and they tell us hey like I really love the functionalities that you guys have, but it might take me a while to convince my manager to move and start using you guys. So is there any way that I can just pay for this with my personal budget and start leveraging some of these features? And so we wanna make that possible. And so that's going to be one of the things that we're gonna be working on for 2022 is having these lighter versions of our product that reps can just pick up by themselves.
0: Where can people follow up if they want to learn more about Ample Market?
1: You can follow us on LinkedIn. That's where we share most of our content. And also Twitter. I think those would be the two best places to keep up with what we're doing and the, the new features that we're launching.
0: Well, as you well, thanks for coming on Software Engineering Daily.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Kyle.